Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. Welcome citizens, New Amsterdam Radio is back. NewAmsterdam.com, that's K-N-E-W-A-M-S-T-E-M.com. Yo, it's the holiday season officially, and uh, I guess... As if, if you're a long-term listener of the show, I always say, I guess it's time for the holiday slowdown. It seems as soon as we get to Black Friday or White Friday, if you live in Dubai, I learned that this year as well. Everyone kind of just slows down at a certain time to go, ah, for the holidays, we'll see you back in January. And over the years, I've had my own relationship with that. Sometimes I kind of wish that things didn't slow down as much. And other times I kind of wish things slow down for much, much longer. But I'm okay professionally. I should say, I just got back from Dubai covering Baseball United, uh, which was a fantastic experience. It's a brand new baseball league uh, that's happening out there uh, in the Middle East. Uh, there's teams in Karachi and Mumbai, uh, in Abu Dhabi and Dubai itself. And they had their first ever showcase and I got to go out there as press. And so uh, that's why we had a little bit of the pre-taped episode, as we mentioned. But I came back I was fine the entire time I was there, but I came back and I had a ruthless cold, and it was a cold, uh, which was mild by the like the grand scheme of things. I didn't have fever or chills or anything like that, but I completely lost my voice. And so if you noticed, last week there was no intro to the show because I couldn't say it. <laughs> I tried. I waited as long as I could to release the episode. I was even late, uh, but I just said, uh, phooey, and just uh, uploaded the pre-taped video interview. It's a good thing I did pre-tape before I left or else it would have been an awkward uh, dropped episode. If you want to see more video interviews of the show, youtube.com slash Voice. That's me, F-L-O-B-O-B-O-Y-C-E-H. Click that new Amsterdam Radio podcast tab and you get to see all the old or archival episodes of new Amsterdam Radio. I don't really do rerun episodes on, on the pod, but if that's something that you're interested in, you can let me know because we did have some luminaries and dignitaries on past episodes. Got to say, uh, if you're ever looking for a nice place to get tickets on the cheap, I recommend SeatGeek. You know, you can too. You make sure you use promo code FLOBITO. That's F-L-O-B-I-T-O for $20 off your first order. In fact, this season, uh, a friend of mine hadn't gone to see the Los Angeles Dodgers. I was trying to find the perfect ticket, the perfect time, and I did using SeatGeek. Plugged in that Flopito promo code, and I got a cool dub off of the fees. You know how it is getting tickets and all that jazz, how it can be very frustrating when it comes to final costs for things. Inflation is real. Make sure you use promo code Flopito, F-L-O-B-I-T-O, for that $20 discount. Well, our guest this week is Nisma Osman, who is in the whole world of artist development. She is a singer-songwriter herself, and she decided to pivot to help other artists navigate because artists are very good at artisting, <laughs> at creating the art, I should say. But sometimes the business aspect or the branding aspect can be a bit of a challenge. We're focusing so much time on craft. A lot of times the admin stuff can tends to be a bit daunting and vice versa. Unfortunately, I think I'm a creative that has leaned too much into the admin side of things. Whereas then when that happens, the creative work suffers. I think artists in the other side of the fence where the grass is greener from my perspective can use someone like this one to help guide them through the pasture. I don't know how I made that metaphor work, but I'm so glad I did. Enough of my rambling and jibber-jabbing is now my chat with Nisma Osman. 
Oh, yes. Welcome back to another edition of New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast of creators, thinkers, and doers. It is I, the mayor, Flobo Boyce, in the mayor's office. Hang with people who are doing the dang thing. Now, if you remember during the pandemic, I tried my hand at novelty music. It's called the Loan the Cub, Money Shuffle, and other things you probably laugh at. So my guest today can help me navigate the musical waters. Please welcome Nisma Osman, who's going to tell me how dope I am with a microphone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> welcome to the show. Let's talk music. How's it going? Thank you. Thank you. I am doing great. Thank you. How are you? I, you know what? I, I can't complain. I just got back in from Dubai, of all places. Uh, wow, that's cool. Was a, yeah, life was the lifetime situation. I was what were you cover. doing in Dubai? There, there's, a, there's a new baseball league out there uh, called Baseball United. And I was uh, uh, flown out to like be a content creator out there. It's really like hype up the show. So I nice. was um, a baseball nerd. I mean, I'm a you know Brooklyn born. Let's go Mets. Uh, being oh, out there cool. and seeing Fillmore Mets play was pretty cool. Pretty dope. That's so fun. Well, welcome back. Yeah, <laughs> it is weird going back home. You're like, oh yeah, I am not a hotel. I have to actually clean out for myself. Um, right. <laughs> enough about me. Uh, let's talk about you. Music is your passion, your path. How did you get involved with that? With so many things that you're talented with. Yeah, I mean, music I, I, Music has been in my blood since I was young. I mean, I think everybody says that, so it's not that exciting to hear. But um, I've kind of always had the songwriting bug. Um, so when I was a kid, I remember writing songs as young as eight or nine. And, and, they're, and they, you know, for an eight or nine-year-old, not being half bad. And I just kind of always felt like I had this um this knack for for music and then it kind of just just kind of turned into really a way for me to to process life um you know i had sort of an adverse childhood so uh it kind of became my outlet for expressing my pain and 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 i think it in a way it sort of became my best friend um in that you know it was non-judgmental right um, and I know that's probably corny, but um, it's truth. So that kind of one thing just kind of led to another. I started learning some instruments. I learned piano and then I taught myself guitar. And then when I was in high school, uh, I took all the music courses that I could. And luckily, my school had a lot of options in that regard. So I just kind of doubled down and realized that, hey, I can really fucking do this if I wanted to. Um, and then what really sealed the deal, the deal for me was I went to a, um, local singer songwriter convention that they had in my town. And I just, I got to talk to, mind you, I was like 13, right. Had no idea what I was doing, but I got to talk to people who were actually doing it in real life. And they were, you know, music industry executives and artists, touring artists and people who were really doing it. And I just kind of, from that moment, I was like, music is music is for me. And so that led me on a journey to study it in college. And then I I learned music production and then just kind of one thing after another. And here we are, however many years later, and I'm working on so many other things. And now I'm helping other people kind of hone their own craft and, and make friends with their musical passion. So take a step back. What was your hometown? If you don't want me asking. Yeah, sure. I'm from a small beach town in New Jersey. Okay. Called Cape May. You may have heard of it since you're from. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, many, many different uh, shore towns. You know, we all visited and tried the pizza because everyone tells me Jersey pizza is better. It's not, uh, but I had to go <laughs> figure it out myself. No offense, no offense, no offense. I'll agree with that. I, I'm, I'm from Jersey. I'm defensive of New Jersey, but New yeah. York pizza, there's nothing better. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so these these musicians came down to your your school was was recruiting these musicians to come down and see it. Or was it was just kind of like there was a tours happening. Like how that connection worked. You think? Yeah. So, actually, one of my high school music teachers, her son, um, I think still is, uh, in a band. They're like a pop punk band, and they're I I, I wish I remembered the name off the top of my head. It might come to me, but they're they hit a lot of traction in Europe and. Uh, so he basically kind of set this whole thing up where he brought a bunch of music industry people to this tiny little beach town in the middle of nowhere, New Jersey, and kind of just made it happen. And then wow. my music teacher, knowing that I was super passionate about music, said, Nisma, why don't you go over and check this thing out? And it was it was over from there. Uh, you had mentioned uh, that you came from an adverse childhood, and of course, share what you're more comfortable with. But when you decided that that music is something you want to pursue in different flavors of that, did you get support from the family, or is it one of those things where it's like I'm going to do this despite your wishes? So, believe it or not, I was actually very supported uh, by my family with music. Um, it was the other stuff that I was unsupported with. So, I grew up in a very uh, a strictly religious household and I was actually closeted. I didn't even know that I was, uh, you know, cause it was just so suppressed. Um, and so in that regard, it, I, music kind of was my only safe space. And, and I, and I almost think because it was, it was something that was like the one thing that I got support from, from my family, uh, that I kind of clung to it even more, you know, just being a kid and kind of wanting to get that support and that, you know, sense of pride from your parents and your family. Uh, I think it kind of, it pushed me in that direction a bit too. Yeah. So, but I, but yes, I, I was very grateful to have that support. Uh, and I think it made a big difference. Yeah. And, and if you don't mind me asking, you're okay now, you're, you're totally can find a way to influence your music with your childhood, or is it one of the things you kind of suppress and keep separate? No, I, I embrace all of my past. I, I have processed a lot of it. I'm sure there's more to process as life throws you things here and there, but I, I feel that I've kind of created a system, uh, especially through my writing where I process that pain and those, you know, those issues through music. And that's kind of really my go-to method now of kind of expressing that. And really my hope for music, and again, not monumental, but my hope for music is that it, it kind of can act as a vehicle for healing for others, you know, to really access that, those deep truths and those deep pains that uh, kind of sit underneath the surface that are hard to access otherwise and that's what you know like bob marley said uh it was a you know the great thing about music is that when it hits you you feel no pain um and i think that that's really true and that music kind of really acts as that that bridge from our pain to our healing and, and i hope to be that at least for a couple people uh, just talking about your career quickly, I had a chance to check out some songs, uh, You and Me, uh, Sexy Today. Uh, these are, they're bangers. I do my research sometimes. Uh, and uh, they're, they're really considered pop pop songs. Yeah. But I know 
pop can be a very like divisive term when it comes sure. to creating music. But what's your take on that? Uh, being able to have these themes for for consumption for for more people versus yeah. the the gloom and do of it being pop music and not real music and yada yada yada. Yeah, I love that question because this was a process I had to overcome uh, in in myself. So I actually uh, I fell in love with pop. When I was in college, uh, I went to Berkeley College of Music and I studied songwriting there and I ended up in like a pop songwriting, hit songwriting class. And it was in that class that I had to kind of really make peace with the fact that I fucking love pop music. Oh, yeah. And I think that there's a purity, there's a purity or a puritanism, I, I'm whatever the term is, um, with a lot of musicians that kind of feel or have the have this idea that when you make if you make pop music you're selling out but the reality is that writing really good effective pop music is really hard mm -hmm. uh, and it's actually a truly difficult skill to develop and it's one of those things where uh it has to sound like it's easy um in order for you to have done your job because the average listener doesn't have the mental bandwidth, especially these days, to process something overly complicated. So you kind of have to figure out how to express a difficult or deep or or complex concept in a really simple way. And that's a lot easier said than done. Right. So what I'll say to the pop haters or the people who maybe haven't made peace with pop or uh, think that pop is, you know, uh, selling out or anything like that. I would say just, just try writing a pop song just one afternoon and see how far you get. And you, I guarantee you'll have a new respect for it. And, and the other thing that I love about pop is that it does reach a wide audience. And it, to me, I'm always objectives based. I'm an objectives based thinker. So when I think, all right, I have this song or this concept, that, uh, that I want to share, how can I reach the largest audience? You know, the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, okay, I'll use this pop music vehicle because that's, it's going to reach the most people and it's going to be the simplest way for them to kind of consume the message. It's funny you mentioned that about the idea of pop because I grew up in Brooklyn uh, in the 90s. And so that was, <laughs> I was very hip hop dominated. And yeah. I, I will not forget this uh, day I went, we were on a school field trip to the South Street Seaport because everyone goes to the seaport at some point. Yep. It's, like, <laughs> it's like we're going to Seaport again. And I remember like buying my first pop single, it was uh, Bewitched. Uh, remember that like the band from the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you must have thought I was like buying porn. I was like looking over my shoulder, I'm like saying, Is it's coast clear? I'm like trying to put it at yeah. the same goodie counter. And the guy's like, No, it's fine, cool, they're dope. I'm like, I don't think you understand, bro. Like, <laughs> it's just funny how pop music is so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so hated, but pop yeah. music isn't bad. I thought it was pretty cool, yeah, for sure. I appreciate that question. So shifting gears a bit, because you could have took all this knowledge and expertise and kept it for yourself, but you're actually working to build a platform to help out other artists. What was that yeah. like, the decision to transition? Always add that to your portfolio of skills to help other artists get themselves ready. Yeah. You know, I I always felt really passionately, and I do feel passionately about sort of developing um a career and a, and a life really that's built on intentionality. Um, and so with that, I, I almost think that I, I see the, the trends in the music industry kind of 
slowly dipping towards a, a giant black abyss where music music will go to die and and that's because um wow yeah <laughs> I, and i i know it's a big statement but i have logic behind that and the reason i say that is because artists don't know how to carve their own paths for the most part that are based on this intentional model there are for the most part, following these traditional marketing pathways, for example, uh, you know, posting on social media constantly to try to go viral or, uh, you know, kind of bugging people in their DMs to treat to stream their songs and, you know, paying Spotify playlist pluggers to get their songs on popular playlists. Also, they can make, you know, a, literally a few cents in royalties. Um, and I, that's just heartbreaking to me because they don't, they don't have to do that if they just take a little bit of time to kind of zoom out and say, all right, what are really all my options? Uh, instead of just following this massive herd of people that are kind of trying these traditional methods. And Floba, when I tell you massive herd of people, mm -hmm. there are upwards of 50,000 songs uploaded to Spotify per day. Wow. Right. So talk about like trying to cut through the noise. The competition, it's not even competition at this point. It's just, it's like a needle in a haystack, really. And the systems that are in place by the record labels and, and the big publishing companies to get priority on the Spotify streaming playlists, it, it makes it even more difficult to try to do it on your own. So one of the reasons that I feel compelled to kind of preach from the mountaintop about this is because I feel that a lot of really talented, passionate artists are going to sink into that dark abyss as dramatic as it may sound yeah. just because they're going to get burnt out. Cause you can only post on TikTok for so many years, hoping to go viral until you just get tired of it or you got to pay your bills or you got a family or, you know, xyz right so that's kind of where i'm hoping to pull people into the sync licensing world because it's such a great it's such a great income stream that you can do from your house without any connections necessary uh besides the the few that you need uh to kind of get into the licensing agency so uh that's kind of where i'm at with with that yeah uh having uh no energy i'm all about that life because i wrote two <laughs> songs and i was like whoa this is hard work i can't imagine doing yeah. an album uh but i felt it, on my end and maybe you can help me out with this that creatives especially when it comes to, to music there's so much work and and recording or recording time and, and yep. uploading that the business side of it kind of goes by the wayside so oh, when yeah. someone like yourself says look i have solutions to help you out on on your career do you yep. get met with resistance like you don't know my steez, bro or people are like oh thank god help me out uh, like what's been the feedback when you present your business to other artists you know, to be brutally honest, it depends on the person and the mindset they're coming from. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of, um, and I say this with gentleness and love, there's a lot of entitlement um, in, that I've noticed in, I mean, in the world at large, but in the music industry. And I think it comes from uh, really a resentment towards society for not valuing arts enough. And that's mm -hmm. not their fault. 
Um, but it's really difficult to make money from an art unless you have uh, some sort of business acumen, right? So I think that where I see the most resistance is in the people who haven't accepted that they are going to have to develop some sort of business acumen um, in order to be successful in with their art. Unless, of course, they have wealthy parents or family members or friends or connections who can kind of help them leapfrog to the to the front. But most people don't have that luxury. Right. So um, so what I'll say is the feedback is directly correlated to that person's mindset. And if they've done the work to sort of be able to to say, OK, I'm going to need to really put my money where my mouth is literally uh, to figure out how to make this viable and sustainable and lucrative. Um, and so trying to get somebody from one side of the bridge to the other is really hard. Um, so that's not really my work. My work is kind of meeting people who have already done that work to get to the other side of the bridge to, to bring them home. You know, I feel like there was a, an Instagram influencer by the name of TZ. She said that musicians are content creators. And, and I feel, I'm not sure if I agree with that completely, but I've seen a rise of like, keyword like songs like songs named after other people <laughs> songs yeah. named after cities uh this is yeah. obviously a trend to have people search for things yep. does that cheapen the effect of creating craft if i say well who's hot right now beyonce i'm calling this beyonce like is, is that or is that kind of weird or is kind of hey look whatever you could do to cut through the noise well i think that's a symptom i mean i won't judge it in and of itself um, I think it depends on how you feel about it, you know, if you feel like it's authentic to you or not. But what I will say is that it is a symptom of the larger problem that I was talking about before, where people are so desperate to cut through the noise that they have to depend on the keyword searches to, to find song ideas so that people can find them over their, their competition. You know, there, there are a lot of other ways to, to kind of take the path, or I'll say it this way, there are a lot of other paths less traveled that people just don't know about or are not willing to try because they're not as popular or they're not as mainstream. Um, and so, again, to, to what you were saying, I, I would say that it, if it works, it works, great. But um, it's, it's not how I would want to go about figuring out what I want to write about, you know, based on what the popular keyword searches are. I would want to have the freedom and the system set up to write about what I want to write about and, and know that I can still get traction with that. Absolutely. You know, I, a couple of years ago, there was this whole thing about the Marvel films and bear with me for a second. I'm going somewhere with this okay. uh, of how yeah. people who didn't really know anything about intellectual property law became intellectual property law. Like armchair savants where it was like oh <laughs> this rights will revert if this doesn't happen and if, if this spider-man movie doesn't come out this goes back to marvel or what have you and i felt like that was interesting back then but with the rise of say taylor swift and taylor's versions of music i feel like yeah. everyone's come out the woodwork of being like music rights management gurus yeah have you come across that kind of like pop knowledge when you're like look i'm an expert like i i take the time to actually learn about sync rights and master rights and all that jazz and someone goes no but i heard X, Y, and Z from the Google search or WebMD or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that there's just a general lack of knowledge in that regard. People okay. don't know, they don't know the differences between 
you know, the, the different legal entities, which are so crucial. They can literally make or break your career as is demonstrated by Taylor Swift's whole effort of having to recreate her re-record her entire catalog. It's like, it's unprecedented what she's done. And it's crazy to think that you can achieve what she achieved and then have to do it again, just to be able to make, uh, I mean, Taylor Swift's making a healthy living, but be able to make the money that you deserve to make off of your recordings. Yeah. So I think that knowledge is, is really key and it's really lacking. And, 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 and yeah, I mean, I think people are people and they kind of believe usually the first thing that they hear. And uh, I think if you're of the mindset that, you know, you should take everything at face value, then that will probably hurt you in the long run. Yeah. Uh, do you have a portfolio of artists now or is that in development? Uh, what's that like? Uh, what do you mean a portfolio of artists? Like, that are going to help you with your business. The idea of helping them with knowledge and, and helping them navigate the musical. Oh yeah. Industry. Yeah. I have clients that I help and, yeah. and I love seeing that transformation. It's, it's, um, there's a learning curve I'm, I'm noticing, yeah. you know, and I, I'm not surprised, but there is really this kind of like school is in session period before we can even get down to like the actual songwriting. Right. Because it's, it's like, you it's like you have to learn the language before you can start writing books in it. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. It does seem like it's a, uh, I always tell people that the, the promised land of success is like a nightclub, but like the bouncer changes every hour. So, yeah. so we talk one of them and they leave like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. put me on. Uh, new Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. You know, when we have everyone on the show, we kind of ask them a bit of department questions, kind of like a lightning round. Are you down to play yeah. with me? Sure. Cool. Oh, right, look, you work long hours. So when it's time to refuel, let me know what's your favorite junk food? Oh, well, I try not to eat junk food for healthy reasons, <laughs> but when I am feeling particularly, uh, I don't know undisciplined, I guess is the word I will. I'm, I love sweets. So I will go for like chocolate or I really love Swedish fish. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Peanut butter cups. Yeah. Anything that kind of gets you that like boom sugar high. <laughs> it's the best kind. Uh, I would say I'm a sweet tooth, but I also eat everything else. So I yeah. Just well, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not a food discriminator. At all. <laughs> I, right. I'll pretty much eat what you put in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about that life. Uh, do you, do you, or don't you believe in midday naps? Oh, absolutely. I believe in any time of day naps. <laughs> I bet I respect uh, 3am. Why not? Uh, <laughs> What is on your travel bucket list if you have one? Oh yeah, uh, Greece for sure. Um, I would love to go to Ireland. I would love to go to um, Eastern Asia, like Tokyo, South Korea, some cities in China, Australia. I mean, everywhere. Who doesn't want to see the world? <laughs> I, that's true. I mean, if you get the opportunity, go ahead and do it. Uh, at, two more for you. Uh, everyone collects something. What do you collect? What do I collect? Oh, man. I don't know if I really collect anything in particular. Hmm. Like memory scrapbooks, photographs, keychains, mugs. My mom's a big mug person. Okay. Maybe mugs. Maybe coffee mugs. I'm a very particular coffee mug person. Like, yeah. The, the mug that I choose has to fit the vibe of the day or of the morning. Okay, yeah. So Let's... I have to make sure I have enough in my inventory. Uh, side question, favorite coffee? 
Favorite? What do you mean? Favorite? Oh, like how I take it? Uh, well, I guess like brand, if you have it, you know, I mean, you're, you're from the East Coast. Like, are you a Dunkin' person? Are you like a, a high craft coffee person? Like, no, I'm not a fancy coffee. I am obsessed with drinking coffee, but <laughs> I, I believe it or not, I'm not a fancy coffee person. But my partner and I, we recently discovered at Trader Joe's, they have this decaf organic French roast, Ooh. whole bean, and it is incredible. And it's only $9.99 for that little, like, I think it's like 12 ounces or whatever, but yeah, it is just so good. I don't know what they do to it, where they get it from, but it is 100% so good. And I have trouble drinking anything else these days. I'm with you. Just, I'm not sure if this is a pro tip or a gross tip, but um, Trader Joe's has the Bay City blend that comes in the blue canister and it's like, oh, a, yeah. a, 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 it's like super over roasted. So yeah. what I do is like, I'll take it out and put it in a, um, a paper bag and yeah. then I'll just leave it in my living room and it becomes like a coffee house air freshener. Oh man, that's a good idea. I never yeah. even considered using freshener for that. Yeah, it's great. People are like, what's that? Like, that's my air freshener. Leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't don't be judging me, bro. <laughs> what's wrong? I, I drink coffee all the time. Like coffee is my my gem. I grew up on Duncan. Um that's my yeah. original one, but like I'll do the high craft stuff. I'm gonna egalitarian. If I'm in the mood yeah. for it, I'll go for it. But gas station coffee is good too. Yeah, whatever works. Yeah. And lastly, what has been the greatest or most amazing thing a fan or supporter has ever given you? Oh my, their deepest appreciation um, for the for the relief and the hope that they discover from actually finding support that helps them in their direction. You know, and I, I hope that doesn't sound like a big pat on my back because I don't mean it in that way. But the but that's the best feeling because it was the best feeling for me when I found that. Yeah. You actually find it's like finding a good therapist or meeting someone who you just instantly connect with and you feel like you've got a friend for life. You know, it's like that feeling of being seen and and knowing that someone has your back. And so when a client is able to tell me that about the work that we're doing together it's you can't ask for anything else it's priceless I, I hear what you're saying but i'm a firm believer of patting myself on the back and toot my own horn because <laughs> no one's going to do it for me right exactly well thank you so much for being on the show it's been cool just to hang out thank with you, you. And so much more about what about the craft of music, which is pretty awesome. But if someone wanted to connect with you or learn more about your services, how'd they go about doing that? Yeah, you can just go right to my website. Uh, it's nismaosman.com and then slash about, or you can do slash call. They'll lead you to the most of the same page and you can get in touch with me directly. Um, and I guess I'll spell it for you because it's probably, you probably don't know how to spell it. So it's N-I-S-M-A-H-O-S-M-A-N and then dot com slash call. And you can just literally give me a call and we'll talk and, uh, and I'm, I'm happy to chat and see what's up. Definitely over coffee, but you don't have to have yeah. it at the ready. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Appreciate you. I want you back in the future episode because this is so much fun and interesting just to learn more about like yeah. that whole world, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. I, I'm, I can talk about it all day. <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours. <laughs>